first coming attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie or digital media, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll take you behind the scenes, interview celebrities, and review new movies, TV shows, and digital releases. Now, here are your hosts from Kids First Coming Attractions. Coming Attractions, I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and today we will be talking about our the Alligator Boy, The Year Earth Changed, Dad Stop Embarrassing Me, and Justice Society World War II. But first, I'm going to pass it off to Gianna and Micah for their interview with the talent of Arlo the Alligator Boy. Hi, I'm Micah reporting for Kids First, and I'm here with my awesome teammate Gianna. Hi. And we have the honor to speak with some of the cast and the director of the new animated movie, Arlo the Alligator Boy. Today, we are joined by Michael J. Woodard, who plays Arlo, Mary Lambert, who plays Birdie, and last but not least, Ryan Crago, the director. For starters, Mr. Crago, how do you think the audience will connect to Arlo the Alligator Boy? If we did our jobs right, and I hope we did, they will feel good. <laughs> you know, I think there's, there's a lot of, really, really positive messages in this movie. There's really fun characters and the music is super exciting and special to me. And I think it's, it's um, you know, I think it's a powerful movie. I think it's really, really sweet and funny and, and uh, at the end of the day, you know, joyful. So I'm hoping that, that the audience will, will get that, that they'll feel that when they, when they watch it. Well, I definitely felt that when I watched it. Good. Um, Mr. Woodard, um, as the voice behind the main character, Arlo, mm -hmm. did you feel any pressure or heavy responsibility when portraying your character? I, I will say that I didn't feel any pressure, um, but I did feel responsibility heavily to be able to capture a lot of the emotion and capture um, who Arlo was as a person because I knew that people like you guys and millions of others one day will be witnessing this movie and I wanted to make sure that Arlo was represented in the most genuine and um, authentic light as possible and I think that resulted into me just being me when playing the part. Um, so yeah, I think that I handled the responsibility pretty well and um, gave a pretty good performance, but it was, it was pretty easy to say the least. I do agree with that. I think you did a great job. Oh, thank you, Micah, thank you. Me too. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Ms. Lambert, how do you think Birdie's unfortunate past contributes to her relationship with Darla? Oh, such a good question. I. I think Birdie has her walls up when she first meets Arlo. And even though she like protects him and she feels like kind of big sister, she is not ready to be vulnerable yet. And Arlo disarms her in a way and shows her that to be your most unique, authentic self is beautiful and um, being vulnerable is courageous. And there's that scene at the beach where there's, they're, singing together and you really get to see Birdie's whole heart and I think it's the first time she feels a sense of home and friendship and you get this sense that Birdie's never really had friends before 
And I just love that you get to see this whole arc with her opening up and, and finding all of these friends and the sense of belonging that I think resonates with a lot of people. And I know when I was growing up, I didn't really feel like I belonged. I felt like a weirdo. And, and so to be able to play Birdie has been really healing for me. Well, Birdie felt like it. I felt like Birdie felt like an outsider, but with Arlo, she actually felt like she belonged. A hundred percent. Mr. Crago, you were credited for vocals on some of the songs. What was it like directing the movie and contributing to the soundtrack? Well, um, <laughs> I feel lucky that I got to do that. I grew up playing music and, and playing in bands and writing songs. And so, um, I was just, you know, happy that some of my vocals stuck around when you're singing around these two, <laughs> you know, you don't always, you know, there's, there's definitely, you go, Oh, that's what a real good singer sounds like. Um, but uh, yeah, the first song in the movie is actually me, but it's uh, and we, we didn't know whether um, initially I kind of wrote that song as like a narrator opening a book and, and telling a story and we didn't know, you know, we tried different versions of um, people singing it and um, and it always kind of came back to that. What was, what's in the movie was just the original demo. Like the day that I wrote the words for that, I wrote those words on, on the microphone rather than writing them down. And so um, that's the original vocal and it stuck around. And I think in some ways it works because I, I guess, it, you know, I wrote the story. So it's kind of like me opening the book for the audience. Um, so that's kind of a cool, fun fact. Oh, wow. I, uh, that's really cool that you got it on the first try and it just stuck around like that. I think that's, was, a, that's a great thing. Uh, Alex, our composer and my songwriting partner insisted after a while because he said there was something, because I wanted to go back and redo it. And I thought my vocal was a little shaky and, and a little, you know, I could have done better. But I think there were, sometimes there's something when something's not perfect, it's even better, you know, they, they can be better yeah. than, than if you try to like, just get it exactly right, mm -hmm. pitch perfect. Then, you know, the flaws I think in, in, the, in everything can be beautiful. So, so there it is. Yeah. Mr. Woodard, what, are you, yes. what do you enjoy most about working on this movie? Oh my gosh, the fact that I'm being myself and then the fact that I get to tell a story like this, um, and really the fact that I just get to act. I, I've really fallen in love with it and I've fallen in love with the entire process. It Yes, it's go the movie is going to bring joy to so many people, but just going in to read the lines gives me so much joy, you know? And I think all in all, like the more sophisticated, you know, um, Thing that I enjoy is the message that's being told, uh, the message that's being given in the story that I get to tell by doing it. But I think all in all, the part that really resonates with me in doing this is just being able to be Arlo and act, you know? I just, I find that there's so much um, impact in those words that I'm reading off the page. And to be able to just do that to the best of my ability each day and give dramatics and all of that is just such an honor and so amazing and so much fun to me. So I definitely enjoy that part the most. The fact that this movie brings joy to you and you can do something you're like you love and yeah. it's cool that you Absolutely. Do. You put it into perspective. Yes, you did. <laughs> yes.
Mr. Woodard, in what ways do you relate to your character, Arla? Oh my gosh, in so many ways. The fact that he's like undeniably positive about any and everything, that's one. Um, the fact that he's on this journey of self-discovery is something that I've related to in, in the past, definitely, given he's a teenager. So around the time when I was his age, I was on that same journey too, when I was in high school and trying to discover who I was and, and the man that I was growing to become. And even throughout college, you know, I was still on that journey. And I think the physical journey in my life um, definitely coincided when he left uh, some place that he was familiar with. I went through that from moving to from um, Philadelphia to Los Angeles. Um, so there's so many levels in different ways that I relate to this character. Um, and the fact that he's just as joyful as I am <laughs> as well, you know, and um, he's just different and quirky and weird. And I relate to that wholeheartedly, you know, and it's almost like he can't hide it. He can't really hide those things about him. You know, even if he tries, it just explodes in some type of way. It's like holding something down that you just can't hold down anymore. So um, even in that way, and I was glad that my voice kind of made sense for him as well too so yeah. that helped out a lot too yeah now, now that you say that you're like the ways you're similar to him i can actually see it oh thank you thank you yeah it's it's hard to hide it's hard to hide <laughs> thank you miss lambert mr woodard and mr crago for talking with us today all of the alligator boy releases on netflix on april 16th 2021 be sure to check it out you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today, we are talking about Arlo the Alligator Boy, The Year Earth Change, Dad Stop Embarrassing Me, and Justice Society, World War II. And right now, I'm going to be talking with Gianna and Micah about Arlo the Alligator Boy. To start us off, uh, Gianna, why don't you explain what the plot of this film is? So, Arlo the Alligator Boy is about Arlo, who is a half-boy, half, no, a half-boy, half-alligator who arrived at the swamp when he was just a baby. And when he got older, he finds out that he has a dad who lives in New York, and he sets off to find him. He meets Birdie, and they become really good friends. On the way, they meet some more people, and they become really close and start to feel like a family. Hmm. That sounds incredibly charming, and... You know, I've been interested in this film for quite a while now. I've seen some trailers for it, and, you know, it looked pretty interesting. So, uh, Micah, how was the animation in this film? The animation was great. Like, obviously, it's not going to look like as it's not going to look realistic because it's not really supposed to it's not supposed to look like it's live animals or anything but because it's not supposed to look like that it they did a great job making it look like animation animation was definitely on point and it was done very well it obviously put a lot of time and energy and thought into it. that's great to hear i definitely think the animation is at the very least, from what I've seen, one of the major selling points of this film as it's very stylized. And I think, you know, it has a unique style compared to a lot of animated movies that are coming out nowadays. Um, yeah. And another... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was going to say, yeah, I agree with you. It does, it does um, look very different and unique than a lot of animation films that are coming out now, like you said. Mm-hmm. 
And another thing that makes this film stand out is that it's a musical. So Gianna, uh, how was the music in this film? And by music, I don't, I mean like the musical numbers. The musical numbers were amazing. I really enjoyed it because I really like music and this just made me like, like the movie even more. And the songs were just, the melody of the songs were infectious in a good way, and it and it just it was heartfelt. Um, my favorite song was "Follow Me Home," and like it's it's just I don't know how to explain it, but the song the melody of the songs are really good. The message of the songs are really good, and the musical numbers are just awesome. Well, that's great to hear. I do. I personally think we need more like theatrical musicals you know we can't let theater have all of them um (laughs) um and uh micah what is your favorite song uh from this film my favorite song they're all really good but um my favorite song will have to be better life and that was by that was performed by ansel who was played by vincent rodriguez iii and I just really love it because it's so upbeat and it's like she said, the music was infectious. And this was definitely one of those songs that will get stuck in your head if you let it. And it has some high notes that Vincent Rodriguez did and they were so well performed and it just made it, it just made it really unique. Well, that's uh, wonderful to hear. And uh, Gianna, what would you say was your favorite character in this film? My favorite character is Arlo, the main character, because he is adventurous, caring, and daring. Um, what makes him that is he never left the swamp before he learned that he has a dad who lives in New York. So he overcame his fear and set off to find his dad, which makes him adventurous, like because he's trying to find his dad in a, like a whole another state but yeah he's just very adventurous caring and daring Mm -hmm. well this movie sounds incredibly charming and wonderful and so my final question goes to micah what is your star rating and age rating for this film so my star rating for all of the alligator boy is five out of five stars it was amazing and i recommend it for ages six to twelve Adults will also enjoy this and watching it with their kids because it's an amazing family film and it's something that you'll want to watch over and over again. Well, that's wonderful to hear. I definitely plan to check this film out when I have time. Uh, Thank you guys both for this interview. And let's take a break. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Live from Mount Olympus from Tracks. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www. 
kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about Arlo the Alligator Boy, and next up, we will be talking with Dominic about the year the Earth changed. How are you doing today, Dominic? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing great as well. So, to start us off, why don't you explain what this film is? Well, this film is about how nature restored itself after the, well, during the global pandemic lockdown. How they they started to come back in cities, like the animals came back in cities. And this film also shows over 30 cities and five continents and we can see better air conditions, cleaner water, higher reproduction of um, higher production rates of animals too. Well, that's great to hear. And you know, it's good to think that with everything that happened last year, that that, that something good could come out of it. So, uh, my next question is: How did twenty twenty? affect you because I would say everyone kind of had their own like personal connection to everything that happened well 2020 affected us because um first of all there was a like lots of um snow first of all like um in the spring it's, it's right now it's like um kind of still not really but though uh just start um ended snowing a couple months ago and the pandemic affected us by, um, like, we weren't able to go out many places anymore. Like, we weren't able to visit our relatives in Canada or Italy, so we had to contact them on the phone and stuff. And, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I myself have a pretty big family, so not getting to be able to, like, meet up and actually, like, see each other in person was kind of a big, a big thing for a lot of us. And with this in mind, would you say that this is a good documentation of the lockdown and the effects, both positive or negative, uh, it had on the world? Or would you say this is a more positively focused documentary? This is a more positively focused documentary, yes. And it was also a wake-up call because man and nature really have to find balance between them and animals. And if we are to coexist, humans have to do a better job on reducing their footprint in the natural world. And we have to make a big change because right um, right before the pandemic, like 
a lot of the um, habitats were being invaded by us, and a lot of the animals weren't able to, like, contact their um, young ones, and it was just hard for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, how was the cinematography and overall presentation of this film? Well, the cinematography, the cinematography was absolutely fantastic. Like, there was beautiful photos. Drone shots were really cool also. And some of the best nature footage I've ever seen. And the, clo um, like the close-ups were, were awesome. Like, how, I don't know why. I, I don't know how we got so close to, like, jaguars and stuff without getting tech, but it was actually really amazing. And the, and the footage, like, seeing all these fantastic things, like how animals are coming back into, into cities were amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great to hear. And, you know, uh, it is good to see some kind of positive changes in the world because I'm sure a lot of people would kind of need that sort of, like, I'm not entirely sure what word to say here, but, like, reaffirmation probably just sort of like to reaffirm that you know there is something good that could come out of all of this even if it had a lot of negative uh things surrounding it yeah so since this is a documentary what would you say is the most interesting like fact or story in this film you know i found it really interesting how usually jaguars hunt during night because they can't be seen more but in this film the jaguar hunts during the day at like a luxury hotel and well there were not many people there and uh, I, I just found it kind of odd and hippos going into gas stations very interesting and um like cheetahs i saw i saw a big difference like when cheetahs usually hunt and they can't drag like they have to leave their babies where they are. Like they can't, and they can't drag like the meat back to them because it's too heavy. So they use a, they use a like call that like it's a little squeak that brings their cubs to them. But since there were many trucks like catching this um, photography and videos, um, the sound wasn't the sound wave wasn't able to catch the cubs in time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all very interesting. And uh, my final question is, what is your star rating and age rating for this film? My rating for this film is five out of five stars, and I recommend it for ages six to 18. And adults would love it just as much, just much as much. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for this interview, Dominic. Thank you. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today, we've been talking about Arlo the Alligator Boy and the year the Earth changed. And right now, we are going to pass it off to Dominic, who is interviewing the executive producer of the year Earth changed. Hi, folks. I'm Dominic DeGravio, reporting for Kids First. I'm super excited to share my thoughts on a critical documentary that I'm hoping you'll have the opportunity to see. Over the past year, Humans across the globe have had to adapt while taking a pause due to the pandemic lockdown. What's interesting is that while our lives are a bit on hold, something very interesting and exciting has happened right under our noses. The absence of humans in the variety of ecosystems around the world has had a profound effect on the natural world. The year Earth changed. It's a compelling new one-hour documentary that takes us on a journey to over 30 cities across five continents, detailing nature's response to the global pandemic. 
This film is our call to action in making positive change for our natural world. The Year Earth Change is a magnificent documentary emphasizing the immediate need for reducing man's footprints in the natural world. The film shows us firsthand how we are able to transform the health of our planet by making changes in the way we live our lives. David Attenborough, narrator of the film, explains how striking changes on and below the surface of the Earth, as well as within the atmosphere, can take place when humans allow more of a balance between them and nature. One year's worth of amazing research for this documentary displays how the reduction of certain things such as travel, crowds at beaches, and people within cities can improve our fragile ecosystems. The Year of Change is a timely film and critical for us all to see. This film is so uplifting. The beautiful photography, drone shots, and exclusive video footage are incredibly captivating. The flourishing habitats that are captured in this documentary certainly give us something to smile about. Executive producer Alice Keen Soper and director Tom Beard have given the world something very special, a new appreciation for what humans can do to help preserve our global ecosystems. Every example we are presented with in the year Earth change is inspiring and heartfelt. I can only hope that this story of change can be presented on a large scale for the world to witness. The message of the Year Earth Change is simple. Man and nature must find balance. If we are to share our planet with a variety of species that occupy it, we must live in harmony. Modest changes in the way we live is critical for the future of our natural world. The speed at which nature is disappearing is alarming, and if we are unable to coexist, species will be lost forever. The Year Earth Change, the year Earth change is a true wake-up call, and it's critical that its message be shared. I give the Year Earth Change 5 out of 5 stars, and I recommend it for ages 6 to 18. Adults would also love this documentary. The Year Earth Change begins streaming on April 16, 2021 on Apple TV+. A great way to celebrate Earth Day is to encourage everyone to watch this film. This is Dominic DeGrave reporting for Kids First. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to our channel to see more reviews. And let's take a break. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Live from Mount Olympus from Tracks. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www. 
kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about Arlo the Alligator Boy, The Year Earth Changed, and next we will be talking with Ishan and Carly about Dad Stop Embarrassing Me. How are you two doing? Good, how are you? Great. So to start us off, Ishan, why don't you explain what this series is? All right. So this is an amazing TV show. I really loved watching it. It's a great uh, weekend watch, afternoon watch for anyone. So Dad Stop Embarrassing Me is all about teen Sasha Dixon, played by Kyla Drew. And she moves back to Atlanta uh, from Chicago after her mother's passing to spend time with her father, a bit of an eclectic guy. His name is Brian Dixon. He's played by the amazing Jamie Foxx. And he uh, and his daughter have a bit of stuff to work out. They have to figure out how to navigate the complex relationship that they have. And that's basically what the entire series is about. It just navigates how they adapt to their new surroundings and how they both um, come to live, come to coexist with one another. Well, that sounds very interesting. And uh, Carly, how are the characters in uh, the show? The characters are really enjoyable to watch. They each have a great dynamic. You can tell that they're friends on and off camera by the way that they, you know, work together. Each character has their own personality and specialty. So it's really fun to watch and see how they all create their family better and what they bring to the group as a whole. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds very interesting. And uh, Ishan, who would you say is your favorite character in this series? Oh, man, you got to love Jamie Foxx. I mean, everyone's done an amazing, amazing job. I really loved actually the supporting characters uh, really, I think, hold up the show. But uh, Jamie Foxx steals the show still. I mean, um, his portrayal of Brian Dixon is just great. Um, what, what I love is that... Um, even in like a character that's supposed to be kind of um, well, trying his hardest but failing repeatedly, uh, <laughs> he has so much integrity to the character that he doesn't even like he he. Uh, according to the behind the scenes footage, he actually made mistakes on camera and he told the crew to keep it in because that's uh, that was true to his character. So I mean, he's just an amazing artist, and I loved his work on the show. Well, that sounds cool, and I, I will admit I personally love it when you know, improv and mistakes and goofs like that become uh, part of the script. I find that, you know, very charming and, you know, a natural bit of comedy that's kind of, you know, overlooked. Like that stuff's really funny to me. 
Absolutely, um, yeah. And I think um, he also does a bit of breaking the fourth wall, which um, you know that's oh. it, that, that's a great uh, it's a, it's a great comedic device, and I think it's it's very rarely used in a lot of TV shows. But that that's that's great too. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of the comedy, Carly, uh, as this is a sitcom, what did you think of the comedy in this show? The comedy was amazing. I loved how each of them brought their own comedic ways and the characters or personalities were just like naturally funny and they were always upbeat. And just I loved each episode because each episode just had something that was like so funny and it stuck with me. And sometimes I still just like go back and watch those scenes and look at the behind the scenes just because it was so funny. Mm -hmm. Well, that's very good to hear. And um, next question, Ishan, what would you say is your favorite episode in the series? Oh man, I love all of them, but actually the first one, uh, purely because of how bizarre the circumstances are of um, the two of them going to a therapist who's meant for married couples rather than for a father and daughter, and then having to work out their problems there. That in itself sets the stage for a very, very interesting show. And I think definitely, you know, (laughs) jumping into the show with that kind of an odd premise uh, just (laughs) sets the tone and it's a really great uh, start to the show. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, Carly, same question. What is your favorite episode of the series? Oh, my! I love the episode with the sibling cookout competition. They kept trying to sabotage each other's foods, which was really hilarious to watch, especially since they were all oblivious that it was happening. And they all just tried to make their each other's foods like the worst and I still just think about that scene sometimes because it was just hilarious to watch. And I was laughing out loud like the whole time. <laughs> well, those both sound very funny. And uh, my final question goes to Ishan. What is your star rating and age rating for this film? All right. So I give Dad Stop Embarrassing Me four stars out of five. And I recommend it for ages 14 to 18 plus adults. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you both. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions Day. We've been talking about Arlo the Alligator Boy, uh, the year the earth changed, and Dad Stop Embarrassing Me. And right now I'm passing it off to Ishan and Carly for their interview with the talent from Dad Stop Embarrassing Me. Hi there, I'm Ishan Mani reporting for Kids First. And with me today is Carly Spagnolo. Today, we're excited to speak with Miracle Reigns, who plays Zia in Dad, Stop Embarrassing Me, an upcoming Netflix comedy show. Miracle has worked on several projects such as Nameless, Locked In, Searching for Life, and Will Be Gone. And she is currently writing, producing, directing, and starring in her own YouTube shows. Miracle also dedicates her time to several charitable organizations that focus on youth and animal rights. And she's an athlete. Thanks so much for talking with us today. Thank you guys for having me. (laughs) Absolutely. So let's just get started with what drew you to working on Dad Stop Embarrassing Me? Well, I had my first audition. Um, It was for another role, but I had my first audition. And then they blessed me for a callback for the role of Zia Williams, which is what I play now. And um, came in, did my first read with everyone, the whole entire cast, which is an amazing cast. And the rest is history. We made a season one. (laughs) That's wonderful. Yeah. 
So can you describe your, describe your character, Zia, and tell us what you think her best quality is? Ooh, I think, I think Zia's best quality is definitely her love for her family and friends, because even though she has a crazy way about going, you know, about her plans, she means well, and I think in the end, she truly loves to help her friends, and even if they get in trouble, she helps them out of it you know, she tries. (laughs) I think, I definitely think friendship and definitely love. Yes, you can tell she's very lovable and she has really good intentions for everything that she does. Yes, I think her intentions are definitely pure. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, yeah. And so, I mean, we've talked about exactly how, how awesome Zia is. So can you relate to any of the situations that Zia experiences on the show? Oh my gosh, yes. I've, <laughs> well, one, Zia's colorful personality and all that, I've, that's, that's kind of me too. <laughs> you know, I get myself into some things as well that I have to be like, oops, I gotta get myself out of them. I think definitely her, her passion for having fun and kind of her different outtake on the world and just the way she looks at everything so colorful, I can definitely relate to that. And I think she definitely shows that youthful spirit that everyone has or, you know, should have or you find. I think just just her being who she is, I definitely take on a daily. And, you know, everyone has a little Zia moment here and there, you know, and that's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. In what ways does the show challenge you? Oh, like acting-wise? Like Yes. Oh, well, I mean, working with such legendary people, you know, Mr. Jamie Foxx, Mr. David Allen Greer, Mr. Jonathan Kitten, who plays my dad on there. Um, to work with them is so amazing and such a, a joy and a blessing, but it was definitely a challenge. And uh, I really want to, you know, to step up because to even get, even to get close to their level and be in scenes with them, you have to bring your A game, you have to be on point. So it was definitely most challenging, but in the end, it was a challenge that I am so happy that I was able to have, and I'm going to take so much from it for the future. Yes, that seems like a really exciting experience and opportunity to have. Yeah, yes, it was an amazing, amazing opportunity, and to work with and get pointers and whatnot from Miss Corinne as well. So. Totally, yeah, and actually, I want to touch more on that. Uh, you talked more uh talked more about um what, working on a comedy show with these amazing amazing industry leading actors and comedians tell me more about that oh my goodness it was so amazing just to watch them even rehearse was it was it was a it was a show it was a master class in its own i mean they came even their ad libs the stuff they added in the looks like the little things they would do it was so just professional and something to that I, I had to take away as much as I could from it. I mean, I would watch them as they would go on through the day. And it was, it was just a blessing to see and to be a part of and to even share scenes in the screen with Oscar winners and just people who have really just developed their craft so much over the years was, was awesome. I'm sure. Yeah. Just the way you describe it seems like such a surreal experience. It was. It was like a dream, but like one of those dreams you never want to wake up. You're like, no, no, no. I want to stay here. This is great. (laughs) And I actually want to ask you, how was this project? How was Dad Stop Embarrassing Me different from the previous projects you've worked on? Oh, my goodness. Well, of course, you know, the most is definitely the biggest project I've been on and been um, lucky to be a part of. 
And I think just the, the learning experiences you can get from this alone to take on into further projects and other, you know, endeavors in life is enough of a master class on its own. So it was, it was a whole different, um, a whole different time, but I, I loved it. What do you think audiences will enjoy most about this series? Oh my gosh, there's so there's something for everyone. I think that's the best part about the show. There's there's a character for everyone, a story relatable for everyone. Definitely the laugh, the laughter, the love, you know, the home vibe that you get from it, that good feeling. Mm -hmm. I think anyone can take that. If you're having a good day, a bad day, a sad day, it doesn't matter the show. It's, it's kind of there for you, you know? It's like a good friend, something to laugh and cry with, to have fun with, to feel like you've got friends with. <laughs> I like Absolutely. how it has comedy and important topics. Yes. So I just love that whole aspect. Yeah, and to have important topics be intertwined with, you know, comedy and stuff, but to still shed light on things that are very real to this day and age and that's going on in the world was, was a blessing to have. I think especially in a time like a, like what we're living in right now with COVID-19 and everything that's happening, uh, it's really great to have a, a pretty fun show, pretty light show, which also addresses uh, those issues. It does. And also, you know, there's no, there's no COVID in that world. And I think that's yeah. kind of, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's also nice. Yeah. I think it was nice to see just a, a fun, lighthearted, you know, world in that dad stop embarrassing me universe. There's none of that, which, which I, I personally loved because it was like, Oh no, that's not happening. You know, we're in our own bubble over here. <laughs> yeah. So I actually want to go back to um, the off camera dynamic you have with your cast. And I want to ask you about, um, so your character Zia is very, very close friends with Sasha, played by Kyla Drew. So do you have that same off-camera dynamic with uh, Kyla Drew, and how did you guys bond? Yeah, we had a lot of fun. I mean, we would do TikToks, and then, you know, unfortunately, quarantine was still a thing, so we couldn't, like, have as much fun and be around each other as much as we wanted to, but when we did, we definitely made a good time out of it. We did TikTok dances. We we used, would play games with each other, like, like not like guessing games. It was They were weird games, kind of hard to explain, but they were fun <laughs> to, to pass the time, or we'd tell funny stories we had a lot of inside jokes a handshake we had a handshake so awesome. yeah i think we made the best of our of our situation and had fun with it that's amazing yeah that sounds awesome <laughs> what do you hope viewers will take away from this show I think um, a good takeaway from the show is to all, to just really stay close to your family. And even though sometimes, you know, they embarrass you, which they do, yeah. I think they do well a lot of the time. And that can go for any any family members. Um, and just that that love and that unity and that, that strong bond that everyone has in the show, even, you know, me and my dad, uh, Johnny has in the show. I think just taking that away from it and, you know, it's all about family and sticking close to your family. And that's really what this world's about, sticking close to the ones you love. And I hope that that is a big takeaway from this. Yes, definitely. Well, thank you to Miracle Reigns for speaking with us today. Dad, Stop Embarrassing Me releases on Netflix April 14th. I'm Carly Spagnola with Kids First. And I'm Isha Anwani. Let's take a break. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Live from Mount Olympus from Tracks. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about Arlo the Alligator Boy, the year Earth changed, and Dad Stop Embarrassing Me. And next, I will be passing it off to Jude and Aiden for their interview with Jeremy Adams and Megan Fitzmartin from Justice Society World War II. Hey guys, I'm Aiden Payne reporting for Kids First. And I'm Jude Adler. And today I have the honor of speaking with Jeremy Adams and Megan Fitzmartin, writers of the new animated feature film, Justice Society World War II, coming on digital April 27th, 2021. Megan Fitzmartin is known for her writing for Supernatural and DC Superhero Girls. And Jeremy Adams is known for writing Teen Titans Go! versus Teen Titans and Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge. It's nice to have you two here today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks. It's nice to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you guys here. So um, I think that we're, that we're both really excited. All right, so to begin, there, there are a lot of different variations of the Justice League, like the CW version and the DCEU version. So Megan, when approaching a new film like this, what process did you guys go through to make sure that this is something that nobody has ever seen before? I mean, I think that one, part of the process, especially in dealing with, you know, everybody has sort of ideas on who these characters are and what stories people want to see. Um, and so I think Jeremy and I and everybody at DC sort of got together and said, okay, well, like, but who are these characters and what stories do we want to tell with these characters? And out of that, we got something that I think is really cool and is really fun and honors that, but being able to work out of the characters, uh, I think in general helps, uh, alleviate some of those fears and concerns. Yeah. And, and when talking specifically about the characters, Jeremy, were there any specific characteristics that you changed about these classic individual characters that people might not be used to seeing? You know, honestly, I, I, don't, I don't know from the writing point of view. I think that, Amy, uh, that Megan and I constantly talk about, <laughs> I know, Megan and I talk about, uh, you know, uh, she likes it 
really sad and I re- like it really sappy. So there's some interpersonal things we added. But what was cool about it for me as a writer, especially, is when we handed it off to the storyboard team and the producers and it went to our amazing voice director, Wes Gleason, and these amazing voice actors, um, they changed some of the dynamics of who these characters are just from their acting ability. And mm-hmm. uh, specifically Hawkman to me was so mm-hmm. different than the way I heard him in my head. But then when I saw the way that he was played, I was like, oh man, that's such an original take. And now that's kind of the take that's taken hold in my brain. So now, from now on, that's going to be the way <laughs> it sounds inside. Yeah, my, yeah. yeah, it's really cool. It's just going to be setting a new expectation, I guess, for new viewers who had never seen these characters before. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. Megan, so as a writer, you're going to keep the plot lines fresh. So how do you keep the plot lines fresh with these classic characters? Um, I think the the best way that we did it was just by talking about it and geeking out about it. Like these are characters that we love. These are these are stories and situations that we love. And uh, as Jeremy said, I like making anything anybody as sad as possible. So any sort of opportunity uh, to really dig into that, I think for both Jeremy and I, we would find these sort of opportunities in the story that we would dig into, uh, and and those. That, that bring ourselves to it, that bring things that we love about this world to, um, to give a different type of spin on it. Yeah, I, I, I myself, I also geek out about superheroes too. Yeah, they're great. They're the best. Yep. <laughs> okay, so Jeremy, mm-hmm. why did you choose a historical time like World War II? Was it something that happened while writing or was it planned from the beginning? It was planned from the beginning. Uh, Butch, who's our supervising producer, which in animation terms, he's really like the guy in control of everything. Um, originally him and another producer, Jim Krieg, I think they were thinking about doing a Wonder Woman World War II series. And in lieu of that, uh, we decided to wrap that up into a JSA historical you know, action movie. So it was already baked in at the beginning. Plus the JSA has never been shown in animated form, I don't believe, or at least in long form. So it all seemed to work together so that Megan and I could write this thing. Um, But yeah, it's always been at the beginning that this was going to take place in World War II. Yeah, that's really interesting. Just because like, I I believe that we've seen the JSA in the live action Star Wars Star Girl series, um, but it'll be really interesting to see it brought to animation. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we are talking about Arlo the Alligator Boy, The Year Earth Changed, and Dad Stop Embarrassing Me. And right now we're going to continue Jude and Aiden's interview with Jeremy Adams and Megan Fitzmartin on Justice Society World War II. So when tackling such a sensitive time period like World War II, Megan, did you face any challenges regarding the sensitive background that you, that you'd never faced before? Um, I think honestly, and this is a story that I love telling. I found out that I got the gig while I was in London at a World War II Winston Churchill museum. So oh, I was wow. like, "Great, well, I'm gonna write this off and do a lot of research right here, right now." Um, mm. and it was uh, it was really helpful to sort of immediately get into the mindset. Um. And, and, you know, as, as we write these things, it, it's strange how a lot of the stuff is mirroring our own sort of existence currently. Like, there's a lot of themes and stuff that, like, a couple years ago when Jeremy and I wrote this, 
we had not thought about um, as it would relate to the way that things are now and, and, and has and does. And I think that that's just, that is why these characters are so um, time honored and, and timeless is because they, they, they exist in all of these different spaces and there, there is a message that is always worth telling. Mm-hmm. And that's quite the coincidence to actually get the news about a, about a superhero movie about World War II and actually being in a museum about World War II. That's quite the Oh yeah, no, it all worked out real yeah. well for me. <laughs> the world works in mysterious ways. Truly. Yeah. Uh, and Jeremy, were there any scenes in particular that were challenging to write because of the World War II time period? Yeah, this, for me... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we have a submarine scene, and I had to like do all this research <laughs> on what submarines were capable of, or what type of submarines there were, and the fact. But but this is what's so great about writing. One of the things I love is that when you do research, you will find weird little tidbits that somehow, if you pull on the threads lightly enough, will coincide with the story. So in this mm-hmm. case, there's a submarine that is battery powered, and it's like, oh, I have this character that can build up electric charges. And there's a battery-powered, you know, submarine. How could that work together? You know, um, yeah. but that that was challenging because I wanted to make <laughs> sure the dialogue was uh, right. What they were saying. I know nothing about submarines. I know nothing about <laughs> most things. I know yeah, that's exactly. why I gravitate towards superheroes. So I can make stuff up. So, <laughs> you know, but that was like, oh, I got to be specific. And thank goodness, Butch was like, "Hey, you did a good job." Like, and I'm like, "Oh, thank you." <laughs> Yeah, it's also just, a very good Butch impersonation, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just, just those little details that you wouldn't think would be difficult, but they can be difficult. Right. Jeremy, you know we love surprises, so can you tell us about any surprise characters in this film? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, that is, I like that you tried, but man, we get in trouble. So the good thing is that what we try to do when we're writing these things is we try to make, and in particular this one, I have to say, there's quite a few little twists and turns. Um, And I'd be depriving you of the joy of watching this movie if I told you anything that would spoil it. (laughs) So when imagining what, what this movie will be like, were there any characters in particular, Megan, that you were really excited to explore? Maybe a character that you were always a fan of from the beginning? Oh man, I, all of them. I mean, I like them all so much. It's, it's like trying to choose my favorite children. Uh, I, I mean, I love Wonder Woman and I love the, the chance to, to write her. Uh, Black Canary has always been a favorite. I think one of the first comics that I ever picked up was uh, Birds of Prey. And so being able to write a version of Black Canary was huge. Um, and also Our Man. Like I, I knew of Our Man, but I love the concept of Our Man and like it's such an interesting character that we just don't get to see. So I'm like thrilled that we got to play with Our Man. And so I think those are the, the top three that I, I say in general, but really all of them were, were so exciting to like play around with because there, there is preconceived notions of JSA, but there is less preconceived notions in animation. So yeah, Jeremy and I get to sort of we're not we're not held down by things mm-hmm. so that was really nice to sort of yeah. like play uh, with and that. jeremy what about you were there any characters that you wanted to be in the film but unfortunately did not make the final cut yeah i i mean not final cut but when we were first establishing what's the roster going to be i think when i think of jsa there are certain people 
like Wildcat and uh, Alan Scott Green Lantern. I, I really like Alan Scott Green Lantern, but there's only so much time and so much money and you can only animate so many things. And, uh, and also the reality is that um, Alan Scott has such a huge power set. It makes it really easy uh, to get through a lot of bad problems. So we cut that and made it a little harder for our heroes. Yeah, it's awesome. I, I'm personally a big um, Hourglass fan as well. Like you said, I, I think he's a really cool guy. I think he's a, he's a great concept. Just yeah. very magical. It m makes me geek out. Awesome. Yay. So, Megan, with these characters, do you think this movie could be connected to something more, like a DC animated movie universe, like a new one? We'll we'll see. We'll have to to wait and find out. I don't I don't know. All right, that's I. Uh, I'll, <laughs> we'll have to take that, I guess. Um, <laughs> it, it was a good try. It was a good try. A valiant effort, indeed. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jeremy Adams and Megan Fitzmartin, for speaking with us today. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. It was great to talk to you guys. Yeah. yeah, it's been awesome. I think that I can speak for Aiden and I to say that we are both extremely excited for the release of Justice Society World War II on April 27th on digital platforms and Blu-ray. Yay! Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First Film Critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and look for our reviews on Press for Kids, kidsworld.com, and Kidsville News. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for Voice America and iHeartRadio. Today's show is sponsored by Live from Mountain Olympus from Tracks. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye! Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, you know more which movies, TV shows, or digital media to look for, or learned about the talent that worked on or off camera on them, and can make informed decisions about what to watch. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode, and tune in again next week.